Welcome to Beyond Toast, Episode 1, Me, Myself and I. Welcome to Beyond Toast. This is a podcast where Toastmasters talk about food. And that's more of a challenge than you might think. I mean, we all know what food looks like. We all know what food tastes like. But it can be sometimes difficult to put those feelings, those sensations into words. And this podcast aims to try and do that. I'm going to start this week's episode with a reading from Tiny Moons, A Year of Eating in Shanghai, by Nina Mingya Bowles. A freshly fried banana is crunchy when you bite into it. The batter is almost savoury, contrasting with the caramel taste of these particular tropical bananas, known as ladyfinger or sugar bananas. They are so sweet that my tongue tingles if I eat too many. When I take my first taste, after years away from Kotakanabalu, I taste tropical heat. I can taste the slow hours spent in the back garden, beneath the mango tree, spotting lizards in the tall grass. I taste the fierce sun on my neck, only ever bearable on days when we went swimming in the Sapa Golf Club and ate chocolate ice cream afterwards in the shade. I dream of the smell of fresh bisang gorang in the morning, crisp and golden and sweet. They're almost better in the afternoon, softened but not soggy, when the crust has changed from crisp to chewy. I think that sums up what I want to try and do with this podcast, that fantastic marriage of passion and writing to create something that sticks in the mind and almost transports you to where they were at the time. Nina's first poetry collection, Magnolia, was released at the start of July and has already been nominated for the the Forward Prize's Felix Dennis Award for First Collection. So, something to look forward to, and I hope to get a copy sometime soon and read some of her poems in future episodes. Now, I'm hoping at some point to have guests, but as for the moment, you've just got me. And it seems like a good time where I should introduce myself. I'm Mike Weston. I've been a Toastmaster on and off for the last 12 years. I started my journey in Aberdeen in about 2008, and... uh, I've been in and out of Toastmaster clubs across the UK for most of that time. Mostly out, truth be told. But I'm now a member of London Public Speakers, a London-based club, unsurprisingly, that meets in London Bridge, or at least once we get through the lockdown, we'll be back there someday soon. Now, I've only been a member for the last uh, seven or eight months, but it's a great little club and we're full of lovely, welcoming people. And if you're listening to this while the lockdown is still underway, we'd very much welcome you to drop into one of our Zoom calls. Details will be available in the show notes. And now I think it's time to start our first segment. Favourite Food Memories food that's no longer available or or holds very, very strong memories and see if that can be used to 
elicit some passion and some interesting language. For me, I've racked my brains on this one, trying to think of which particular memory to draw upon, and it always comes back to the the one thing I can't get anymore. It's not even anything particularly exciting or, you know, or rare or unusual. It was a pizza shop, a pizza shop in Edinburgh when I was uh, doing my undergraduate degree. I'd live around the corner on Grove Street and I'd pop down and it didn't seem to be anything special from the outside. But you would walk in and you just make your order and it was, wasn't even a sit-down sort of place. Now, I'm not going to say that I was some sort of expert on pizza. To be honest, I think I'd probably had my first pizza from a, a fish and chip shop around the corner from the student halls only a couple of years previously. So I really had no idea what was good or what was bad pizza. But there was something about these ones in particular which always stuck in my mind. They had a really crispy base, and it was turned up at the sides, almost as if to make it like a quiche, which meant they could pile in so many toppings, and a really nice, thick layer of cheese that you bit into. It would hold fast in your mouth, and... That would allow some time for the various flavours of the chilli and the tomato and the cheese and the spices. And it would just merge together in your mouth to kind of create this real taste sensation and texture sensation all at once. For me it was unlike anything else I had access to at the time. And if you look online it would seem that I'm not alone in having a life-changing moment at the hands of pizza. As this reading shows. An Ode to Pizza by Michael Sykes. Pizza is my favourite snack. Now what do you think of that? Crust so warm and soft and chewy, cheese so tasty, scrumptious gooey, hot in a box or on my plate, either way I just can't wait to get my hands upon a slice, to taste it now would be so nice. Like nectar from the gods of old, it tastes so good I'd eat it cold, when life is hard and I get down, when on my face I wear a frown, only pizzas make it right, now quench my raving appetite, restore my faith in all that's true, with a dose of cheesy goo, give me pizza, Give it now. If you don't, I don't know how I'll ever live in harmony without my pizza ecstasy. But where to get my pizza snack? I'll tell you where, just where it's at. To round table you should go, if you didn't already know. To feast upon their luscious pies, for they take pizzas to new highs. I love pizza, that's a fact. Now what do you think of that? Now, given all of the things I've eaten since and all of the food experiences I've had... It might seem a bit prosaic to to start with a a fast food pizza place. But in many ways, it was a seminal moment for me. I mean, I'd grown up on the west coast of Scotland, and apart from the occasional fish supper, or fish and chips to the less well-informed, I really hadn't a huge experience of the range of international foods. I mean, I was quite fortunate. My father was in the Merchant Marine and had travelled around the world, and he'd always infused some spices into his cookery. But while he'd dabbled in Indian and Chinese cuisine, it would be safe to say that my experience of these uh, particular cuisines was partial. It was very much a, a copy of a copy, and I think a lot was probably lost in the process. So really, when I first came to Edinburgh, my experience of interesting food was fairly limited. And this was a real eye-opener. 
but sadly it's an experience that's been lost to time. I've been back to Edinburgh time and time again since, but I've walked down Morrison Street and that restaurant isn't there anymore. It's been replaced by a series of different restaurants over the years and those pizzas are now forever gone, existing only in my memory and I'd like to think the memory of other customers too. But there is one food that will never go away and that is comfort food. It's the one thing that we can take from our past and recreate and rely on. And my comfort food of choice this episode would be macaroni and cheese. And I'd like to start with a poem. Macaroni and Cheese by Black Narcissus Hot and gooey, macaroni and cheese. For seconds and thirds, I'd say pretty please. For fourths and fifths, I'd say even more. I'll pay you in gold and silver galore. I'm hungry, you see, and cheddar tastes great. It jumps on my fork from the side of my plate. Or maybe a souffle, maybe some ham. With a touch, if you like, of strawberry jam. Don't call me greedy, don't call me fat. I like what I like, don't argue with that. For breakfast and dinner, supper and tea, just hand me a plateful of vitamin B. I definitely share a lot of the sentiments of that poem, and my overwhelming memory of macaroni and cheese is when I was a student living in Grove Street, and on a very, very tight budget. But I'd always loved cheese, and I think one of the flatmates introduced me to the idea of making my own macaroni cheese rather than using the the craft cheese or the, the cheese, macaroni cheese in a can. And I spent quite a lot of time trying to get it right. It was always lumpy or generally tasteless. Until one day, where it just all fell into place. I had a lovely smooth cheese sauce. And the, the macaroni was cooked just to that delicious point of al dente where there was just enough bite left in the pasta. And I put them all together and mixed them into a bowl and put sprinkles of black pepper over the top. And I just remember sitting down sticking in my fork and pulling out a piece of macaroni laden with cheese sauce, still warm, still slightly viscous, popping that into my mouth and just getting that head of cheese indelibly scored into my memory. And it's been since then a dish I will go back to again and again. I mean, sometimes just the classic, you know, pasta and cheese. Sometimes throw in some vegetables, sometimes you know, use gnocchi. It's an endlessly variable dish that one can always rely on. Rely on to be tasty and rely on to bring back those happy memories of a time past. But enough about the past. It's time that we should look to the present. And here we have the first instance of Mike's Eat of the Week, where each episode I shall introduce a new dish or meal that I've come across for the first time over the last week or so. This episode, well, we've all been stuck in lockdown and many of us have been turning to baking. And just looking at the various notice boards, one can see that banana bread has reached peak popularity. And I, for one, have certainly been baking a few loaves over the last couple of weeks. But my partner was growing a bit fed up of that and she encouraged me to to try something new. So, for the first time this week, I tried a chocolate, peanut butter and banana bread. And I have to say, it was 
pretty much success. You know, a real nice, rich, chocolatey flavour coming from the cocoa. A kind of nuttiness, unsurprisingly, coming from the peanut butter. And a nice richness and moistness coming from the bananas. It was definitely banana bread turned up to maybe ten in a bit. And I'd certainly recommend it to anyone growing tired of banana bread and willing to sacrifice a little bit of the, the healthy nature of it. And now it's time for our Fantasy Meal for Four section, where I would invite guests to answer that eternal question of if you could have a meal with any three people of your choice, alive or dead, who would they be, what would you have and where would you go? So, in the absence of a guest, I suppose the question falls to me. And in true Toastmaster or Tabletop style I'm going to twist the question and not quite answer it in the way you might expect. With respect to my guests, I would invite myself at the age of 16, myself at the age of 30, and myself at the age of 70. Now, this isn't because I'm some sort of raging narcissist or egomaniac. Well, I might be, but that's for you to decide. But more because, rather than reinforcing or destroying some image of some historical figure or some celebrity, I could probably use the opportunity to learn a bit more about myself, and in the long term, that's probably more important. I'll return to my choice of guests in a minute, but first let's focus on the foods and location. As for the choice of food, I'd go with Thai cuisine. I fell in love with Thai cuisine in my 20s, and even to this day, it's the only cookbook that I've got that's been signed by the author. And this is the Pat Chapman's Thai restaurant cookbook from 1996. And despite all the time I've spent you know, trying to perfect recipes, I just can't quite replicate the same flavours and tastes and textures that you can get out of a decent restaurant. This rather neatly leads me into my discussion of the venue, or location, which would probably be a, a restaurant out of time and out of mind. It's a restaurant I vaguely recall being in Newcastle. It was a Thai restaurant, and it was just the most astounding food I'd had in a long while. I mean, I'd eaten at plenty of Thai restaurants over the years, but there was something about this place. It was the freshness, the crispness, just the kind of general quality of the food, and it it wasn't a particularly exciting place from the outside. It just looked like a kind of general Thai cafe of sorts. But it was great. And I, I have it in my mind that it was probably run by monks of some sort. But I can find nothing online to back any of this up. So if you do remember a, a Newcastle Thai restaurant from around the mid-2000s, do let me know. So, returning to my guests. Since I'm unlikely to have any... Uh, guest presenters for the next uh, couple of episodes, I'll just focus on one of my guests, so me from age 16. The reason I've chosen myself at the age of 16 is that that was a time before I'd really experienced so many of the great food memories that now make up my cookbook of the mind. And I'd relish the opportunity to experience them for the first time again, even vicariously, through a younger version of myself. But I'm sure that joy would be somewhat short-lived, as I recall myself being a precocious and argumentative teenager. And I guarantee an argument would soon ensue. Which seems the perfect opportunity to introduce our bad guest moment, where 
the usual societal norms are torn down, and you're allowed to speak on any of the forbidden subjects of politics, religion or sex. Now, while I'm sure my 16-year-old self would be very interested in a discussion of sex, I'm not sure it's particularly appropriate. So, I will be focusing on politics instead. You see, both my parents were die-hard Labour supporters, and in my teenage rebellion I decided that I would stake out in a centrist zone for myself. After all, I'd only ever known a Conservative government, and it seemed to me that the most sensible place would be the middle zone. And I did spend a large part of my early political life pursuing these liberal opinions. But now, three decades later, and with a lifetime's experience, I find my political viewpoints have shifted probably even further left than my appearance. And it seems only fitting that I would have to suffer the same arguments that I used against them as a younger person. Although I'm sure it wouldn't be long until things escalated to a point to where the management would have to step in and invite us, firmly but politely, that we perhaps pursue our business outside. Not that I'm speaking from a place of experience, you understand. So, given that I would be racked with guilt and seeking comfort in this time of need, it seems the best time to start our final section, Guilty Pleasure. Ni le bien qu'on m'a fait, ni le mal, tout ça m'est bien égal. The guilty pleasure is that one foodstuff or meal that you just can't see your life being fulfilled without. You know you can't really justify it, but if it was gone, there'd be some aching void in your soul. And for me, it's probably frazzles or bacon bites. Now, there's a little I can do to justify them. They have no nutritional value as far as I can tell. They gum up one's teeth and by the end of a packet I feel slightly queasy. But they bring back memories of growing up and being a child and having a small bag in my little lunchbox and just having that kind of feeling that you can turn to them any time and they will be exactly what they were and are always going to be exactly what they are. And that level of stability and unchangingness in what is a unstable and constantly shifting world is something that I certainly wouldn't want to get rid of. Much like the subject of our next reading. The Squirrel That Loves Potato Chips by Stephen Katona A little girl made my day by throwing a bag away. Inside I found some potato chips, and when they touched my furry lips the taste of so much salt hit me like a thunderbolt. They beat acorns for taste, but add too much to my waist. I simply can't resist this potato crisp. Now my favourite sort of lunch is one with a salty crunch. Sunflower deep fried, then carefully dried. I dream of the flavour of slices thin as paper. Please don't feed the squirrel seeds. My stomach has different needs. If I said a heartfelt please, would you add some melted cheese? Pass me some the taste of paprika. You'll hear a squirrel squeak. Eureka! And on that Eureka moment, it's time for me to close this episode out. So thanks very much for listening. And if you have any questions or suggestions or you'd be interested in perhaps being a guest, please contact me at uh, info at beyondtoast.uk or through Twitter at beyondtoastuk and as it seems that all podcasts have to have some sort of a 
sponsorship element, I've set up a Patreon at patreon.com slash beyondtoast. Now, I'm really not expecting anyone to visit that and make any donations, but if you do, please know they will be spent on Bacon Bites. Until next time. 